Hey, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good, good. Yeah, good to see you. Thanks for making River Glen part of your uh, Sunday. Just thrilled uh, to have you here. If you're a guest with us, you actually picked a really good weekend to be here, and uh, you're going to get the chance to see a, really an inside look at what River Glen is all about as we get ready for next weekend. Next weekend is going to be a huge weekend. We're calling it Commitment uh, Weekend, and uh, you want to be here. I think it's going to be a historic weekend. We did one of these about five years ago, and several people told me it was their favorite day at River Glen ever, and we think next weekend is going to be even more powerful. We're going to decorate the lobby. We're going to have some prayer canvases out there, some photo opportunities and, and balloons, and it's just going to be a great celebration, so make plans to be here. All right, I want to dive in, and uh, today I want to uh, uh, begin with a question as we, uh, as we continue with Unfinished, uh, uh, week number four. And by the way, if you want to follow along in the booklet, we're on page 42. If you don't have a booklet, uh, raise your hand. One of the ushers will bring one to you. It's got a lot of great information uh, about our, our, our church and uh, what's coming uh, next. And as we look ahead, here's the question that I want to ask you. Why do you think giving is such a big deal to God? I mean, if you look in the Bible, the word give occurs over 2,100 times. More times than the word love, more times than the word believe, more times than the word pray. I mean, giving's a big deal in Scripture. And giving might be a, a big deal to God, but you know what? Many of us, many people struggle with it. I mean, I've never had anybody say, Ben, I wish you would give a message on how I could give more. I've never had that happen because, we, you know, we struggle with this topic. And I think one reason we struggle is because we don't think we have enough, enough to give. Our heart's in the right place, but uh, we just don't really think we have the ability to give generously. I think another reason that we struggle with it is we tend to have a scarcity mentality. And we think if we give, I'm going to run out. And we feel like, oh, i got to wait until I have more, and then I can be uh, generous. But here's the common thread in all of our reasons why we struggle with it. We focus on the amount. But the reason giving is such a big, big deal to God is not because of the amount. And so today I want us to begin uh, by not thinking about the amount of our generosity commitment next weekend, but thinking about the heart behind it, the spirit behind it. Because you know what? That's really what Jesus teaches in this story we're going to look at today. If you have a Bible with you, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter uh, 12. We're going to begin with verse 41 and see what Jesus has to say here about the heart of generous giving. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in, what size? Large amounts. Right. And a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Now, quick show of hands. How many of you have heard that story before? Maybe you've read that story. Maybe you've heard that story preached uh, before quite a few of you. That's really cool. But today, I hope maybe you see it in a new way, in a fresh way that will inspire you uh, for next, uh, next weekend. I want to I highlight three aspects of generosity from this story. And here's the first one. Giving, generous giving attracts the attention of God. I want you to imagine something. Imagine if I told you, hey, we're going to have a really special weekend here at River Glen. Jesus is coming. That'd be something, wouldn't it? And you know what? That's exactly what happened in the story in Mark 12. Jesus plans to come to the temple in Jerusalem and word gets out. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Imagine if Jesus came one weekend in person to River Glen. I mean, everybody, everybody be going, you know, where's Jesus? Is he here yet? And, uh, you know, we'd start the singing, we'd start the music, and, 
and people are really getting into it, you know, because Jesus is going to show up. And then we pray, and everybody prays, they got one eye open, you know, is Jesus here? And uh, I get up to speak, and I'm just nervous because Jesus might be, Jesus is going to show up in our, in our service uh, today. And then, and, and, and then we, we don't see him. And we start to feel disappointed. And right near the end of the service, right before we take up the offering, Jesus shows up, sits, sits down right next to you, and he watches what you put in the offering. Now, that would feel pretty awkward, wouldn't it? But that's exactly what happens in this story. Jesus goes to church, verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. Look at this. He watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Now, now why is Jesus doing this? Is Jesus all about the money? I mean, is, he, is this where the TV preachers, you know, get this from? Well, if you're a student of Jesus, you know that actually he taught more about money and possessions than heaven and hell combined. Because Jesus is not after our wallet. He's after what? Our heart. Yeah, as he famously said in Matthew chapter 6, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, you know, wherever, you know, you, you direct your money, your heart follows, Okay. And that's why we get attached uh, to, to things. In other words, where your money goes, so goes your heart. And so here's the question that Jesus really points to at the temple. Do you have a heart for God's house? Is your heart in God's house? See, back then they considered the temple the house of God. But nowadays, the church is considered God's house because this is where people come to connect with God and worship him. And so Jesus comes to church and he says, I'm going to sit down right next to the offering because I want to see who really has a heart for God's house. Who is passionate about the, the kingdom of God? Who is passionate about the things that my father is passionate about? You know, if you ever visited a church, that's actually a great question to ask. What is the heart of this house? And I hope over the last few weeks that it's become more clear to you. Our team has really worked hard to try and communicate clearly how we sense God leading us into the future. And so I want to just briefly recap three areas of our church that we're going to focus on for the next few years. The first area is unfinished people. I mean, none of us are finished. And so this includes all our ministries in this house. We want to keep this house strong and alive and growing. And so we're not done developing our kid life ministry and student life ministry and group life and Stephen ministry and celebrate recovery and weekend services and on and on. We're passionate about growing God's house right here. Second area is unfinished church. This includes expanding God's house by launching an online campus and also by launching a regional campus 15 to 30 minutes away from here. These new campuses are going to produce more Christians, more followers of Jesus. And then third, unfinished mission, which includes starting five new churches, five new houses for God. And the first one's going to come next year in Pittsburgh. We're sending our very own Brandon and Danielle Stevenson to uh, Pittsburgh to launch a brand new church. Pittsburgh is very under-churched, and Brandon plans to start a new church that will start more new churches, more new houses for God. This also includes planting a new church in Haiti in a very poor community called Onaville. I, vi I visited Haiti for the first time just a few weeks ago, and the poverty blew me away. I don't know if you know this. Haiti is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, and it's a 90-minute flight from Miami, Florida. 
And so Unfinished includes starting a new house for God in Haiti. Next year, we're going to buy property in Oneville. We're going to build a building. We're going to hire a pastor. And we're going to build a water station because they badly need clean water in the community of Oneville. Now, there's much more. That's just a brief recap. But if you want to find out more about the heart of this house, you know, look in the Unfinished uh, booklet. Or go to our website, weareunfinished.cc. And I'm praying next weekend, everybody who says River Glen is my church, my house will participate because we need all kinds of commitments. Small, small commitments, medium commitments, large uh, commitments. Which leads into the second aspect of generosity that Jesus teaches in this story. God doesn't just count the amount. I mean, the widow put in the least amount, but it counted the most because of her sacrifice. God doesn't just count the amount. He counts the sacrifice even more. Look at verse 41 here. Jesus sits down and uh, he watches people give uh, their offering. And it, it says the wealthy people threw in large amounts. Evidently, they had a large number of wealthy people in this uh, congregation. And this is something I never knew before. I found this very interesting that this verb here, see this verb through? In the original language, it means flung or scattered in a way that they didn't really care, you know, where, where it uh, landed. And so imagine, you know, you're sitting in church and, uh, and uh, you know, it looked kind of like this. They had these metal pots, uh, metal buckets, you know, at the temple where people would, would, would give. But the scripture says Jesus sat down and he's watching people give their uh, offering. And what do the rich people do? They flung it. Yeah, why'd they do that? You know, it created some noise. They flung their money into the offering because they wanted to create some mo commotion. It was like a show. They wanted to impress people with what they were giving. You know, so imagine you're in church one weekend, and it's quiet, and uh, everybody's praying, and all of a sudden you hear, you know, it sounds like the jukebox. It sounds like the slot machine, like somebody hit the jackpot, and you're like, wow, what was that? And everybody goes, wow, that was a lot of money. That was impressive, and everybody's impressed, except one person. Jesus is not impressed. In fact, he makes this very quick contrast in verse 42. He says, a poor widow came in and put only two small copper coins worth only a few cents. And so picture this. You know, these rich people come in and, and, and they, make it, they make it rain, right? And Jesus is like, ah, not so much. And then a little old lady shuffles in and she goes, and how does Jesus respond? He is thrilled. He's overjoyed. He said, guys, come on over here. you got to see this. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, in other words, out of their surplus. But she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Jesus is so impressed with her because when it comes to generous giving, God doesn't just count the amount. He counts the sacrifice. Do we simply give out of the excess, out of the surplus? Here's what's comfortable. Here's what's easy. Here's what I can easily give, you know, out of my pocket right now. Or do we have a spirit of sacrifice in our heart that says, I don't even know if I have the financial means to do this. But God, I trust you 100%. My heart is in your house. My life is in your hands. Everything I have is yours. Even this, more than I can afford. Because I trust you, God, to provide for me. I mean, think about this. This is the first century. This is a widow, no Social Security, no Medicare, no husband, perhaps no children. All she has is God, and she puts in two cents. And, and by the way, this is where many people think that phrase comes from. Can I put in my two cents? It comes from this passage. 
where Jesus says, this is what it's all about. Your father cares about something more important than the amount. It's the heart behind it that he is after. You see, these rich people, they gave out of their surplus. They gave out of their excess, which required no sacrifice. But this single woman gave out of her poverty, and it moved Jesus deeply. Because in God's eyes, when his children give, his number one concern is not the amount. It's do they give with a spirit of sacrifice. I had somebody come up to me after one of the uh, unfinished services, and they were really excited. They said, Ben, I'm just really excited about unfinished and the vision for the future. I'm excited about how God is working in this church. But I just wish I was rich so I could make a significant gift to unfinished. And I'm like, you can. Because a significant gift is not measured by the amount of dollars. It's measured by the amount of sacrifice. See, in this room today, it's just like it was back in, in the days of Jesus at the temple. Everybody in this room has a different size checking account. Some of you maybe have deep pockets. God's entrusted you with wealth. It's a gift. And the reality is some of you could maybe write a check for $50,000. You're like, yeah, I could do that right now. You know, I, I, could, I could do that, and it, and, it, and it wouldn't affect you deeply. Others of you are like, are you serious? That's more money than I make in a year. And writing a $500 check would be huge. But see, it doesn't matter because Jesus teaches that true generosity is not measured by the amount you give. It's measured by the amount left over. When you, when, when you give, do you hold back a cushion that says, I don't want to change my lifestyle? In other words, when you give back to God, do you, how much do you first hold back uh, for yourself? Do you calculate, what can I afford to give without making any cuts in my normal lifestyle? Or do you stretch and sacrifice like this, like this widow who put God, God first? Here's why I think Jesus makes such a big deal out of generosity and what the, what the widow uh, uh, did. Jesus calls us, because Jesus calls us to stretch and sacrifice for God because that's what love does. Love gives. Love sacrifices. And that's why the widow did, did this, because she truly loved God. I mean, you can give without loving. You can't love without giving. And that's true in all our relationships. And it's true in our relationship with, with, with God. That's why generosity is such a big deal, because it's love in action. And I think another reason Jesus makes a big deal out of giving and, and what the widow did is because Jesus knew that God was going to bless that widow. I love what Rick Warren, Pastor Rick Warren says, if you want, you want the blessing of God in your life, if you want the power of God in your life, if you want the anointing of God through your life, you must build your life on three things to have the blessing of God, integrity, humility, and generosity. That's why generosity is a big deal because Jesus knows this is the kind of life that God blesses. I find that people who live a generous life have learned to practice what have been called the four P's of generosity. And what's great about these is that they're helpful wherever you are on, on the journey of following Jesus. The first one is planned uh, generosity because it's not accidental or incidental. Um, it's intentional. The most generous people pre-decide and follow a plan. Second is Priority generosity. We can give in two ways. I mean, we can, we can uh, um, pay all the bills and give to God out of the leftovers, or we can give to God first. And then we live on the leftovers. The Bible has a name for giving to God first. It's called giving God your first fruits. You say, God, I'm going to give to you first, and I'm going to trust you to provide. And, and priority giving, it helps us 
deal, if you, have, if you have a scarcity mindset, it helps you deal with the fear because you're going to experience that God is a God of abundance who provides for the needs of his people. And then third is proportional generosity because the Bible talks more about proportions than amounts. As your life situation changes and grows, your, your generosity should grow with it. That's why many people decide to base the, um, amount of, their amount of giving on a percentage. Many people make a decision that they want to give God a tithe. A tithe is a mathematical term that means one-tenth. It's a, it's a proportion, a percentage rather than amount. And then fourth is progressive generosity. Because if we start feeling like, yeah, I've arrived, you know, I've peaked in this area, uh, that can become a source of pride, unhealthy pride in our lives. And that's why Jesus calls us to progressive generosity where we surrender ourselves. And we go beyond the tithe and we honor God by giving whatever God leads us uh, to give. And that's really what this unfinished journey is all about, making our life a blank check for God. Now, we have many couples and individuals in the church that have taken steps of faith and grown in their generosity. And we captured one on video. So take a look at the screens and hear Steve and Janelle Olson tell their story. I'm Steve Olson. And I'm Janelle Olson. And we have been coming to River Glen for 11 years. And we have three children. Jack is 14, Eliana is 12, Audrey is 9, and we are in the process of adopting a fourth. In December, we brought the kids to a Stephen Curtis Chapman concert here at River Glen. And that evening, we got home, and our 9-year-old, Audrey, she was very, very distraught that children do not have a mom and a dad. And then the next day, we're eating dinner at the table, and she says, looks around, and she says, you know, Mom, there's six chairs at this table, and only five are filled. We said, yes, yes, there is. And she's really pushing, wanting us to adopt. And then the day after that, she looked at the wall with the school pictures, and she said, you know, I think we can fit another school picture on that wall. You know, we look back at it now and we feel very blessed that God is working through our children to help open our eyes and see where there's need out there. And, um, you know, three kids running nonstop, our life is crazy, but there's still room for more. And there's, there's an empty space and we're going to fill it. In seeing how God is working through our kids with this whole adoption process, um, it's been, it's been a real test of obedience and of faith for us as adults. Um, but as Christ followers, we know what, the, what God's word says about you know, reaching the lost and, and, and the orphans and, and the people that are less fortunate. And so we just felt a big calling and, and it, it's not the same for everybody, but we felt like this is something that we needed to do as a couple, as a family. And so we kind of stepped out in faith. We really had to, because um, we weren't sure how this was all going to work out. And, you know, through this whole process, we're still, you know, working through it. But, you know, God's been faithful, and we just feel like we need to continue to be obedient to what he's asking us to do. I think with Cannonball, when we were part of Cannonball, we did take a huge step. We went above and beyond what we thought we could give. 
um, it stretched us a little bit with you know the things that we were comfortable with and throughout the process and even towards the end it was amazing how God provided it was just absolutely amazing so we would give so much more of our income and our time and and then all of a sudden we received gifts for other things or financial gifts from from family members or um, bonuses at work and it, it was just really amazing and I think we've typically always been on the same wavelength when it comes to what we give but we took a huge step out with Cannonball and um, it was so rewarding. I have no trepidation at all concerning Unfinished because we've already gone through this with Cannonball and we saw how faithful God was to us in our in our financial the financial aspect of our lives so for those people that are sitting on the fence and they're wondering how can we make this work we were there at one point with our finances just wondering how how we would be able to give more than we were to be all in with the last campaign and we sat down and we prayed about it as a family and we decided that we needed to go all in. We needed to step out in faith, trusting that God was going to take care of it no matter what. And he did. He blessed us beyond what, anything we could comprehend. And we just feel like if you're there, if you're on the fence, go all in and you will be blessed. I think the biggest thing for me is that this church and moving into this next phase, this church is alive. River Glen is a living, breathing Word of God church and we can feel it, our kids can feel it, and I think the community that we live in, they can feel it too because we're making a huge impact in the lives of so many people. He's going to be there. He's got our back. He's got back of River Glen and he's going to provide abundantly above anything that we can imagine. I'm Steve and I'm Janelle and we are Unfinished. Yeah let's give them a hand. They did a great job. Uh, great story. Steve and Janelle appreciate them. They're really stretching aren't they and sacrifice and I love something Janelle said is Take a step of faith that makes you a little uncomfortable. And I want to challenge you to do that. I mean, what's your next step in generosity that makes you a little uncomfortable? Maybe, maybe your next step is to plan and prioritize your giving. Maybe your next step is to become a proportional giver and to start tithing and trusting God to do more with your 90% than you can do with 100% on your own. Maybe your next step is to continue or to start progressive giving, progressive generosity, take a step that makes you a little uncomfortable because we all know what we can comfortably do, but here's the question. How is God speaking to you to stretch and to sacrifice for his house through unfinished? In the video, Steve also challenged us to go all in, and that leads to this third aspect of uh, generosity. Generous giving requires an all-in faith. That means we put everything on the table like the widow does here. 
in Mark chapter 12. Look at, what the, look at what Jesus says. He says, she gave out of her poverty. She put in everything. Notice this phrase, all she had to live on, which means more than uh, coins and, and cash. It means possessions, physical possessions and resources. One commentator says this phrase, all she had to live on, it may mean that she had to sell something, you know, to give that extra penny. I mean, this lady was just all in. And that's what I want to challenge you uh, to embrace. Embrace this all-in kind of attitude that puts everything on the uh, And can I, can I ask you, what might God prompt you to put on the table for your commitment, your generosity, to, uh, commitment to unfinished uh, next week? Uh, maybe to sacrifice so that your heart is in his house. Let me give you just a few lifestyle sacrifice uh, examples and that maybe you'll do, that maybe will be part of your uh, commitment to um, unfinished. And, uh, you know, maybe you begin, you know, just by putting your wallet, you know, on the table here and saying, God, you know, this is my money, there's my wallet, but God, I know my money is really your money. And so during unfinished, God, I am going to honor you uh, by giving uh, your money back to you like never uh, before. God, my wallet is on the table. You know, I'll tell you something. I receive more stories from people who have experienced God move in their life, God bless their life, because they started giving more than anything uh, else. So maybe you begin by you know, putting your wallet on the uh, table. And maybe you'll need to make some other changes and cut some expenses to give uh, to God's house. You know, maybe it's this right here, you know, some, uh, some Starbucks. Ooh, that's a sacrifice, isn't it? Yeah, um, let's, let's have this bag and this cup represent uh, eating out, okay? You know, how, you know what the average family in America spends eating out? $225 a month. And if you add that up over a year, that's $2,700 a year, you know? That's fast food, that's a lot of Culver's, you know, Panera and uh, uh, coffee. Uh, maybe for just a season, you actually cut back on coffee so the kids in Haiti can have clean uh, drinking water. God, my consumption is on the uh, table. Or maybe you get really radical and, uh, you know, you put one of these, one of these babies, you know, on the uh, table and uh, all the guys in the room go, oh, no, because it's football season, right? Uh, maybe you're planning an update, you know, your home theater, you got your eye on one of these, but God's calling you to sacrifice, not forever, but for a, a season. And for the next year or two, you're going to take the money that you're going to spend maybe to upgrade your home theater, or maybe some new electronics, or uh, furniture, or, or decoration, and you're going to give that uh, to un, unfinished. Now, nothing wrong, you know, with a flat screen. I mean, we've got one of these at, at home, you know, I, I, I get that. Or maybe I've got a TV, and uh, I'm going to give the money uh, from cable TV, $50 a month, and uh, going to give that to unfinished. God, my entertainment is on the, the, the table, or maybe it's just right here, you know, some... Uh, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's not taking quite as long of a, of a vacation. You know, family vacations are really important. Family vacations are, are awesome, but uh, they're getting more and more expensive. The average family in America spends about $4,600 a year on uh, vacation. And so what if you did this? What if you say, okay, next year, instead of, you know, going away twice, <clears throat> we're going to go away once, and then we're going to do a staycation. And when we're staying at home, you know, that's going to remind us that we're sacrificing by staying in our house to make God's house grow stronger. God, my vacation plans are on the table. Or, or maybe this is here, right here. Maybe it's one of these. 
and you're like, you know, give my Matchbox car? You know, what, what? No, no, we don't mean that. And no, we're not talking about, you know, giving your car uh, to unfinished, although we've had some people do that. And, uh, you know, if you want to do that, call us up and, and we'll figure uh, that out. But maybe God's asking you to not get the new car that you were planning to get over the next uh, two years. You know what the average car, new car payment is in America for a family? $479 a, a, a month. And maybe you're going to say, God, I'm going to put that on the table. I'm going to give up something new so that more people can be made new in Christ. Now, I, I don't know what it is for you. And it's not forever. It's just for a season to allow God to do what he wants to do through you. He's given us all something to give. Maybe, uh, may, maybe it's this. You know, maybe you've got some stocks or some uh, investments, uh, uh, some, some savings, um, some, some bonds. And God's calling you to say, you know what, I'm going to give some of my stocks to unfinished. These things go up and down in this world. And so, God, I'm going to give some of my stocks uh, to unfinished. I'm going to lay up some treasure in heaven. And I know that it always gets a return. God, it's on the, God, it's on the table. Or maybe it's this right here, you know. Maybe you've got some savings. Maybe you've been saving for a rainy day. And you're saying, God, I want you to make it rain in Haiti or in, in Kenya. What is it for you? You know, everybody's got something to, uh, to uh, give. I know some people that are, I, I know someone who's given up cigarettes. I know somebody else who's given up new clothes for the next two years. What's God calling you to, to give up, to sacrifice. And I want you to know, I'm not just challenging you. I'm challenging myself. In the Old Testament of the Bible, when they built the temple for God, the leaders gave first to kind of set, uh, set the example for the others. And so I want to tell you how God is, is, is leading Marnie and I on our unfinished uh, journey. And uh, because I want you to know we're in this with you. When Marnie and I got married many years ago, we made a decision to start, start tithing. But several months ago, we started feeling like, you know what, we're kind of on autopilot. Giving has kind of become uh, routine uh, for us. And then Unfinished came along, and we started feeling like, you know what, we need to surrender and honor God, not just with 10%, but with the other 90%. And not just with our income, but with our, our resources and our possessions. And so we prayed, and we sensed God leading us to take a step of faith. And so we started looking at our, our finances, some of these things here on the table and what we could sacrifice. And we decided we're going to eat out less and eat at home more, which will probably be a good step for us to take for our health. And we're going to do a staycation one week each summer. There's a lot of great things that we can do around here. We're going to cut back on our, on our uh, gifts uh, to each other. And uh, we're even going to put our cat up for adoption. Uh, anybody wants a cat? Uh, we're going to part ways. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. But we're making this list of ways that we're going to cut our, our spending so that we can uh, give, give more. But in our situation, we're not able to find enough ways to cut our expenses to get to that goal for generosity that we feel like God's leading us to do. And so I just started thinking to myself about some of the other resources and possessions that, that we have, like our house. And uh, we've got a great house, a four-bedroom house. Uh, three quarters of an acre, beautiful uh, neighborhood. And we love our house, but we just don't need that much space anymore. It was great for our kids. They filled the bedrooms. They threw Frisbee in the backyard, played lacrosse in the, in the uh, backyard. But our nest is almost empty. And I started thinking 
to myself, you know, maybe we can sell our house and buy one that's more affordable, and that'll help us reach this generosity goal that we sense God leading us uh, to do. Please understand, I'm not against larger homes. I know many people have large homes, and they enjoy them and use them and honor God with them, and that's great. I'm all for that. That's just not us in this season of our life. And so how that, that's how I was feeling about our house, but I didn't bring this up to my wife, Marnie, because uh, I was afraid uh, because she's she has more attachment to our house. But finally, I brought it up to her, and to my surprise, I mean, she was very open to it and feeling the same way as, feeling the same way. So this summer, we found a realtor. We started looking for homes. We found one. We actually found one we really liked. We started negotiating on it, but it didn't work out. Somebody else got it, and we felt disappointed, which affirmed to us, this is, this is God, God's next step. Uh, for us. And so we're going to reduce our spending next year, um, our, our spending the next two years to give more of our income. And Lord willing, uh, we're going to sell our house uh, next year and move into one more affordable. And uh, we're going to make our biggest commitment uh, next weekend uh, to uh, unfinished, biggest commitment that we have ever uh, made. Now, am I a little nervous about this? Yeah. Uh, but we're not sad. And we're both excited because we know God's going to provide for us. And we know God's going to use unfinished to, to strengthen and grow his house and make more and better followers of Jesus. And so this week, I want to encourage you to set aside some time to think and pray. And if you're married, talk, over, talk it over with your spouse so that you can get on the same page. Maybe you sit down at a table, maybe your kitchen table, and decide what's on the table and a number that reflects a surrendered heart and a spirit of sacrifice for God. If you want to take a commitment card home with you, there's, there's commitment cards in the uh, pouch in the chair back in front of you. Feel free to take one of those and, and fill it out uh, this week. As we think and pray about how God's leading us to sacrifice and make a commitment to unfinished, it's also a good time for us to think about God's example of sacrifice and the most famous scripture John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. One more reason why I think giving is such a big deal to Jesus, why it's such a big deal in Scripture, is that when we give, we reflect more of God's character. We reflect more of God's image. God has given us everything. God is the greatest giver. God gave his one and only son as a sacrifice for you and I. So as we get ready to uh, share communion, let me, let me pray for us. God, you are great. You created the earth. You created us. And you paid for our lives with the blood of your son. God, thank you for being the greatest giver. Thank you for the gift of salvation. We could never, ever pay you back. But God, it's an honor to stretch and to sacrifice and reflect a little bit more of your character and your love in this world. Father, as we look forward to next weekend, I pray that you will bless it and multiply it and just change more lives for eternity. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.